He's going to come and bring the word this morning, so why don't we just welcome him as he comes. And thanks so much. We love you, Craig and Stephanie. so happy to be with you this morning. I did not want worship to end, not because I know what I'm speaking, just because I was enjoying worship so much. I shared with Pastor Ben and Heather just a very simple thought in the middle of worship. My spirit is so connected, and just as an inside outsider, I want to give you a heads up. There will be moments in this house where you cannot turn the worship down, that it is just going to continue to flow. It is going to continue to flow. There's just a wave that's coming to First Assembly. Any surfers in the house? You might want to think about learning how to ride the wave. It's going to be special. It's going to be real. And in a sense, you can mark Christy Markdown, Good Friday. And I know it's been said by many before me, but I just want to come in agreement with what's been said over this house. That this is a house that the well of worship runs really, really deep. And I can just hear the pump getting primed on that well of worship. So heads up, y'all. Heads up. Um, I have no notes to preach off of this morning. So you know that I can flow, but I'd appreciate it if somebody in this area would look for my notes. There's a black binder that was over here in this area somewhere. It'd be great if I could get those. There it is. For real. And we're even going to get a Bible in this message this morning. I do not do this a lot, so I appreciate all the help that I'm getting. (laughs) Absolutely for real, it is personally for me an honor to be on this platform. My life has been radically impacted right here. Radically impacted right here. It was on a Monday night at 11 o'clock after the lights had been turned off. I was right here in this place a different place for me, a place that was happening in my heart and I was on my knees right here and I was crying a kind of cry that I had not cried before and something was happening inside of my heart or something was coming out of me and something was going inside of me right here. My life was changed right there. It was in this second row right here. The seating configuration seems a little different. <laughs> Can't quite put my finger on it, but it was different. And I looked over at that exit sign It was on a Sunday night during a leadership conference. And in that exit sign, a young lady walked through the door. And I thought, that's a very godly young lady. (laughs) It was through that door. Is that Bill Martin standing at the back door? It was at that door, May 19th, 2000, that that godly young lady came through wearing a wedding dress. And walked down this aisle and I met her here. And we exchanged our vows right here in this place. And it was in this place here with you that I got gripped in my heart with something that has never, I've never let go of and it's never let go of me. And that is a love for Holy Spirit and a love for worship. This place holds a lot of meaning for me. 
Truly and honestly, my life has been radically shaped by this church, by First Assembly. But I can tell you that would not matter had it not been for a messenger who came to Calgary in 1981 and held a crusade in McMahon Stadium. And the Reverend Billy Graham came to our city and he rallied all of the churches, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Lutheran, we all came together. And we did not come together and gather around a style, a method, a particular doctrine to discuss. We came and we gathered around a message about the cross. The cross is the unifier for us. And I remember as an 11-year-old boy, mesmerized, starstruck in a sense, listening to this orator communicate with incredible authority and power, a message of the cross. And friends, you know, Paul the Apostle himself said that it's the central piece to everything. The cross is not a side part. It's not a bit part. It's not to be thought of once a year that the cross is central to the good news. Paul said this, This is extraordinary to me when we consider the one who was saying it. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. I resolved to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. To Paul, this was the whole deal right here. He said, Christ did not send, this is Paul speaking. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There was something that he understood about the power of the cross that motivated him, that pushed him, that undergirded all that he did, all the operations of the gift, all the establishment of churches, he's telling us it all revolved around the central piece of the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those being saved, it's the power of God. And I feel today on Good Friday, I feel like I'm a dad at Christmas who's wrapped the presents and I know what my kids are about to open. I know what's in there. And I want them to quickly get at it. Stop shaking it. Let's not try to guess what's in there. Let's just open the package and get on with it. And for me, that's what the Easter weekend feels like. Because I know what happens on Sunday. I know what happens on Sunday. I know where we're going. I know where this moment takes us. But I don't want to jump ahead to Sunday. I want to give attention to Friday. I want to give attention to the cross. I want to elevate the cross. I want to lift the cross up just for a few moments. And to those who go to Imagine Church, a few moments means nothing. (laughs) Isaiah said, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. Slain before the foundations of the earth. This was the higher way. This was the master's plan. Death on a cross was his plan. And the cross will never lose its power. You all know this. We all know this. But I'm going to go through this anyways. 
crucifixion was absolutely brutal. It was the worst kind of death. And it was a death that was assigned for the worst kind of criminal. It was humiliating. It was vicious. It was filled with pain. And this was the death that was assigned to Christ. Assigned a death with criminals. I know you know this. The whole process involved the scourging with a cat of nine tails, a whip fashioned with stone and glass tied to the end that was purposefully used as an instrument to beat the one being crucified. And Jesus himself took upon his back stripes, tearing his flesh to the bone, exposing muscle and sinew and tissue one after the other, 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 the stripes that were upon his back taken for me. Crucifixion was not just about putting a beam, putting a man on a beam. It was about putting the beam on the man. After that scourging took place, the beam was put on him and he was told he had to walk. He had to carry his cross. And he didn't just carry the cross for a few moments and a few meters. He carried the cross. History tells us it could have been the length of almost two football fields. And all the while that this is happening, he's being beaten. He's being kicked. He's being spat on. He's being abused. The tone, the tenor, the atmosphere, the feel of this moment as our Lord has his back exposed as he carries this old rugged cross and he carries it to a hill but we haven't arrived at the hill yet fashioned for our lord is a crown a crown of mockery you're the king you're the lord well where is your crown and upon his head you can see it digging into his flesh tearing into our Lord until it was embedded into the very head of our Lord. This was crucifixion. Friends, when Paul talks to us about the cross cannot be emptied of its power, he is not unaware of what crucifixion was all about. This was not a one-off. This was something that was familiar in the day in the Roman culture. And Paul says... I did not come to you with eloquence. I didn't impress you with my speaking. I came declaring the central message of Jesus Christ crucified. Wow. And his cross, friends, I'm telling you, it's not in vogue, out of vogue. The cross will never lose its power. The cross will never lose its power. And and friends, I'm here to tell you, There is a resurrection of the message of the cross coming back to the body of of Christ. There's a resurrection of the central message of the cross that's coming back, not only to the church, but the world is going to hear the message. The world is going to hear the preaching of the cross. Isaiah says this to us. This boggles my mind. He had no beauty 
or majesty that would compel us, that would attract us to him. The only picture given in scripture, the only descriptor of Jesus' appearance, the only one, tells us that there was actually nothing in his his appearance that was attractive or compelling. It's referencing this moment of how absolutely disfigured and brutalized he was in his body. This is the description that's given to us, mocked on that cross, brutally beaten on that cross, exposed, garments taken off so that he could be belittled, exposed before all the onlookers in the most embarrassing of fashion. This was our Lord on Friday on the cross, abandoned, left hanging on a hill called Golgotha. Pastor Ben, this blows my mind because Golgotha, many in the room right now, you would know what the other term is for that hill. Is anybody? James, you got it? Skull. Place of the skull. Isn't it extraordinary that our Lord is put on the cross as we know the place, the epic confrontation between life and death, good and evil, God and his adversaries on a hill known as the place of the skull. Prior to Jesus, there was also a shepherd who confronted the enemies of God. This was a shepherd boy and he did not come in strength. He did not come with military armor. He did not come in power. He came with the weapons that God had put in his hand and some trust in chariots Some trust in horses. David trusted in the name of the Lord our God. Who dare comes against the name of the Lord? David said, I will go. And he stood with what God had given him. And he released. And the enemy of God fell. And with his own weapon, catch the parallel. With his his own weapon, the head came off the enemy of God. And the skull was picked up. And the shepherd took the skull to a hill, to a place, to the people of God to declare we are more than conquerors. The shepherd boy and history tells us that the skull as a monument, if you will, I don't know all the details of how it played out, but the place of the skull was a place of remembrance for the people of God. Look what the Lord has done for us on the place of the hill using the enemy's own tactic, the great shepherd, our shepherd, defeats the enemy once and for all. Come on, that's good stuff, man. On the hill. And you know what? The head was taken off. The head was taken off. And in the spirit, there was a parade in the heavenlies that Colossians says, and there was a triumphal parade with Christ at the head and all the adversaries of the Lord following in a trail behind in submission to the victorious conquering king who came as a shepherd and he is our victorious Lord. So good. Friends, it was for the joy that was set before him. We're told that he endured the beating. He endured the shame. He endured the physical pain that he took upon himself for joy 
that was set before him, he endured. He was willingly, he willingly went through all of this. What was the joy that was set before him? I am telling you guys, the joy that was set before him in part was when he saw he could see a young man's life get transformed in a crusade. He could see the weight of sin and shame that a young man was carrying on his life being lifted off of himself as restoration came to the father. That's the kind of joy that was set before him for a joy of seeing God's people who were once estranged being brought back into relationship with the one who created them to be in relationship. That was the joy that was set before him. This is incredible. Well, all of this is going on in this setting, in the spirit, there's this triumphant moment in the natural. Can you picture what it would have been like? Can you feel the venomous atmosphere as the people that were crucifying, as the enemy was sensing that victory was within his grasp? Can you imagine the tone? Can you imagine the spirit? Can you imagine the atmosphere in this moment as Christ is on the cross? The climax of all things happening right here. And Jesus, like a lamb led to the slaughter, was silent. He did not open his mouth. He allowed all of it to happen. In a second, he could have called upon 10,000 legions of angels. In a moment, this is over. And he did not do that. He was silent because the purpose of God, purposes of God needed to be realized, needed to be accomplished. He was silent. He did not open his mouth until this moment came. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 We're real familiar with Psalm 23 that speaks of the Lord is my. Read one chapter sooner. Psalm 22 is a prophetic unfolding of the heart of the Lord on the cross. Read it. Psalm 22 is where the cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, came from. All through this, he's quiet, not a word. And then he utters this. Why have you forsaken? forsaken me. Friends, think about this for a moment. He didn't say, why have you allowed this pain? Why have you allowed this cruelty? Why am I feeling all that I'm feeling in this moment? That was not his question. His concern was, God, you've been with me always, and now you have turned from me. Why? Because on the cross, God could not look upon our sin. He could not tolerate. He had to turn away in that moment. The weight of your sin, the weight of my sin, the weight of all sin rested on Jesus. And he was no longer sensing the relationship that was so precious and purposeful and meaningful. He cried, why have you forsaken me, Lord? And then with that, this is so beautiful. With that, he gives up his spirit. The enemy did not take it from him. This was not defeat for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This was not the moment of triumph for the enemy. Jesus gave his spirit up, took his last breath, and offered up to the Lord his spirit. And in that moment, Scripture tells us even earth itself trembled at the weight of this moment. The earth shook, the skies went dark, thunder was heard in the atmosphere. The moment that the creator gave his last breath over, creation groaned with a cry recognizing this moment. Friends, this is what Paul said. Preach Christ crucified. This is not a motivational message that we carry This is not a how to get more, how to do better, how to increase, how to prosper. This is a message that the world considers foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. Because at the cross, everything changed. It seemed that death had won. Hope just took its last breath. And this was the chosen way of the Lord. Well, friends, it, it was over. It did come to an end, but it was not for the Savior. It was for the authority. It was for the power of death. It was for the sting of the grave. There was a defeat at the moment of the cross, but it was not our Lord Jesus Christ who was defeated. Do you remember that Jesus, when challenged, he was asked, what authority do you have to do these things? And Jesus says, you can destroy this temple and in three days, I'm going to raise this again. And of course, they were thinking that that's impo- this, is the, this temple took years to build. There's no way that that can happen. Jesus prophesied, in three days, this temple will be raised again. And in this moment, as darkness closed in, this was the prophetic coming to pass. And Pastor Ben, I'm going to finish in a moment, but there's this thought. And Michael led us here in in worship. You know that through one man in a garden, sin entered and separated us from the relationship that God desired us to have with him. Through one man in a garden, through Adam. Scripture speaks of a second Adam in a garden. One man bringing back the relationship that was lost. This is that at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my sin, it was rolled away because the second Adam came and through his death on the cross brought restoration of relationship back to the father. One man died for all. This is so sweet. Hallelujah. It seemed that death had won. Hope had taken his last breath. One man having died for all. Darkness fell in this moment. His friends had scattered and hope had seemed lost. But heaven just started counting to three. Friends, we've all heard this before. That in this darkest moment, 
when Christ was upon the cross and he gave up his last breath and everyone left. The good news that we look upon the cross today is this is Friday. But you and I both know the saying, this it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. I'm going to invite the servers. I'm going to invite the servers to come forward and we're going to partake in communion. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And friends, as they're coming, I want us to reflect on this. The weight of this message is because we must go to the cross on Friday. And we have to see the impact of the cross. We recognize what happened on the cross. But as people who have gone to the other side of the cross, we recognize the story does not end there. The cross, my friends, hear this well. I conclude with this as our servers begin to distribute the elements. The cross will never lose its power. The cross will never lose its power. Would you be willing to say this with me in this place? The cross will never lose its power. Say that a couple times. The cross will never lose its power. The cross will never lose its power. The cross will never lose its power. And friends, I'm saying this to you into your spirit. And I'm saying this with you in victory. It is Friday, but Sunday is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The cross will never lose its power. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What a beautiful God we serve. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You go ahead, Michael, and you can lead us and we'll come back. Thank you, Holy Spirit.